Turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus, chapter number 2 tonight. That's after First and Second Timothy. We'll continue our study on grace. In Titus, chapter number 2, we've so far preached on replenishing grace, how He continues to provide it in times of need. We've preached on restoring grace, as He can restore us back into fellowship with Him by His marvelous mercy and grace. We've preached about His reinforcing grace, that grace that comes along just when you need it at the right nick of time. And we've talked about that rejoicing grace, that grace that allows us to rejoice in the midst of tough times, maybe in the midst of uh, the most difficult points of our life. We can still have the grace of God to rejoice. Tonight, with God being our helper, we're going to preach on restraining grace. Restraining grace. What I mean by restraining grace is, I believe that the grace of God is so good, and it is so perfect, that it will restrain you from going out into this world if you will allow it to. It will restrain you from the things of this world and to help you live a life of godliness and a life of holiness. Titus chapter number 2, let's look at verse number 11. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Prayer for the message, if you're able tonight. Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11, the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us, now we're talking about the grace of God, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us that we might, he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. A restraining grace. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we do count it an honor and a privilege to come to you tonight. First of all, I want to say that we love you dearly. Lord, and we love you for first loving us. And God, we ask you, in a special way tonight, as humble as we know how, to season every word that is said from the podium tonight. God, I pray that you would move upon the hearts of the people. I pray that we would truly begin to grow in grace and understand grace more as we go through these series of messages. Lord, knowing that you can sustain us through it all in this life in which we live. I thank you for that sustaining power. Lord, be with us tonight in this Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting. In Jesus' name we do humbly ask, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The book of Titus is a pastoral epistle written by Paul to Titus, whose primary ministry was on the island of Crete. The grace of God was an abused doctrine in Crete. So Paul paused to give his admonitions a doctrinal foundation. There are some who would turn grace into a license to sin. 
folks, uh, they would teach uh, that you can live in sin since they're no longer under the law. I want to beg to differ with that tonight. Of course, the believer's not under the law, but we are under grace. But being under grace brings an even greater responsibility unto the believer. Yeah. Folks, grace doesn't give us a, a license to sin. Uh, people believe that salvation gives a license to sin. According to what's written here in the book, grace does not give you a license to sin, but grace will actually help you refrain from sinning and falling into those worldly lusts. Folks, it is by the grace of God that we can live as righteously as we do, and we know that's not very good. Uh, because our righteousness are as filthy rags, uh, according to the Word of God. We know that we have all sinned and come short of His glory. But my friend, it's by God's grace uh, that'll keep us on top of the water, uh, that'll keep us uh, trucking toward heaven, if you will. Uh, it's by God's uh, amazing grace uh, that will keep you and refrain you uh, from sin. Amen. And refrain you from worldly Lust and the world in general. We know that grace frees us from the bondage of false religion. We know that grace frees you from the bondage of sin. Grace also takes on a new facet in a Christian's life, restraining us from the world and from the things of the world. And tonight I want us to look at three lessons restraining grace teaches us. First of all, I want you to know and understand and believe that grace is a gift. The gift of grace. Look at verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Grace brings salvation. And salvation is through a Jesus Christ, and it's all a gift. Verse 14 says, Who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Folks, I believe it's God's grace when it comes and you accept Christ as salvation into your life, it's God's grace that can keep us walking upright and straightforward. I believe that too many people try to use a salvation experience and try to use that as a license to sin. It is not a license to sin. It's a license and a permit to go to heaven is what it is. Amen. And I believe that we ought to be encouraged tonight to try our best to live righteously and try to live godly because we are going to influence people that are around us. If they see you acting ugly, they're not going to assume that you're a Christian. But if they see you acting godly, they're going to say, Hey, that person must be a Christian. I believe I would like to be one. Of them. I've seen so many people turn away from God at important times in their life because they look at other people's lives who say they are saved. Folks, let me tell you this and be honest with you tonight. You probably know some. 
Some people profess to be a Christian, but they don't possess any salvation. They claim to be something that they're not. I mean, I believe when a man gets saved, his life's turned around. I believe when a man gets saved by the grace of God, he's going to put him on the straight and narrow way and he's going to begin to grow in grace. That doesn't mean that he doesn't sin. That doesn't mean that he's going to have a a perfect life. It just means that he's going to grow toward and in his grace toward that place called heaven. It's a gift. Redemption is accompanied by salvation. Romans 3 and 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Grace bought our salvation. Salvation is for all men. You can look in the book of John chapter 3 and it will tell you in a couple of different verses that whosoever may come, whosoever will come, can be saved. That's everybody. Everybody is offered the gift of salvation. Everybody. Now there has some that have turned down the gift. uh, And I believe they've turned down the gift so many times uh, that God stopped knocking. You're in a bad situation if God stops knocking. When Jesus quits knocking, my friend, uh, there is no hope for you. Uh, When Jesus quits knocking on your heart's door, uh, there is no way to gain repentance. I'd hate to be in that situation tonight that God would no longer deal with my heart if I was a lost man. John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about the woman at the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Thank God I've got a water supply that's never going to run dry. He's always going to be there. my darkest days uh, and through my darkest nights uh, I've got a man named Jesus that's going to walk through the valleys with me that's going to go through the fires with me and my friend he's going to help me by his amazing grace no matter what it's a water that continues to flow flows clear from heaven amen flows clear from heaven uh, to where you and I can have that marvelous grace that will continue to help us uh, in the days to come. Folks, we're going to need that grace that God provides for us. Uh, We're going to need that grace to help us through another day. Times are not getting better. Times are getting worse. And they're getting worse by the moment. It's free for all men For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving an old wretched sinner like me, uh, coming into my heart, uh, cleaning up my life to where I could go to a place called heaven. I can rejoice in that grace tonight. We know it is a gift of grace, but we see the guidance of grace. In verse number 12. Look at verse number 12 again real closely. This is what grace will do for us. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
God's grace teaches us and continues to teach us as we grow in the Lord. Grace does not become dormant after salvation, but is actively teaching us how to live a life of faith, uh, uh, continuing to grow in Him. You see, this is where a lot of people fail in their lives. They come to a point to where they become saved and they become washed in the blood of Jesus, but they have no desire to grow in the grace of God. Folks, we need to grow in God's grace. We need to grow in the knowledge of His Word. Folks, I'm here to tell you, they wasn't a rainstorm, hailstorm, thunderstorm, snowstorm, you name it, they'd keep me away from the house of God tonight, no matter how I feel or no matter how my hair may look when I get out of the rain. Amen. It's God's wonderful guidance of grace. Teaching us, that word teach means to train, to cause one to learn, even to chastise with words or to correct. Warren Wiersbe says these words, the great Christian author, love his books. He says, God's grace not only redeems us, but it also reforms us and rewards us. That's God's grace. Guidance from where, preacher? Guidance away from ungodliness, according to verse 12. Denying ungodliness. I guarantee you this tonight, and some of you know this to be true. You take a pig, give him everything he wants. You take a young boy, give him everything he wants. You'll get a good pig and a bad boy. Think about it. Take a pig, take a boy, give them both everything they want. You'll end up with a good pig and a bad boy. That word denying there in the scriptures, teaching us, denying ungodliness. That word denying means uh, not to accept it. That means to reject, uh, to refuse something offered to you. See, God's grace refutes a worldly lifestyle. God's grace will come upon you and will let you know that's what brings conviction by the Spirit of God is through His grace about how we're walking down the wrong road. Ungodliness is defined as not only irreverence, but a lack of total recognition of God's presence. It is to ignore His influence, ignore His existence, and to ignore His expectations. That's ungodliness. Amen. I think I'd rather be around godliness than ungodliness. Yeah. And if I do find myself in the middle of some ungodliness, it's the grace of God that will refrain me from it and get me out of it. Yeah. And repeal me back to where I need to be. Deny godliness, but it also says to deny those worldly lusts. There in the scripture in verse 12. Worldly lust means desire, craving, longing, a desire for what is forbidden of or belonging to the world. Worldly, having the character of this present corrupt age. Folks, God did not work in His grace to turn around and by His grace say unto you, you may live in a way that's similar to or the same as you lived before salvation. God's expecting us to be different. 
He's expecting us to live a different life. He didn't give us that grace to turn around and tell us, oh, you can live like you used to. No. God's grace says, deny worldly lust. Deny ungodliness. Galatians 5 and 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Romans 5 verses 20 and 21 and in chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. The scripture says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more. Abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? If you live in sin, you're not going to have the the grace of God there after you're in that sin for a while. I mean, He's going to try to pull you out. But my friend, listen to me. He tries to tell you to stay away from it. We're disciplined by grace. Believers who honestly understand the grace of God will not want to live in sin. They'll turn from ungodliness. They'll turn from worldly lust. That's why I can't understand some doctrines of our days. Uh, they think, Damon, that uh, uh, oh, we're saved on Sunday, but they can live like hell throughout the middle, throughout the entire week. And listen, they don't have anything. They don't have what I've got. Let me put it that way. Amen. They don't have what some of you've got tonight. Because when God saved you, He changed you. He made your life different. You started living differently. I mean, I'm even peculiar of what I turn on my television set since I've been saved. Amen? I mean, I can be honest with you. If it's not on a a ball game or a a fishing program or the news, I just about don't watch it. I mean, uh, there's just so much uh, uh, worldliness that comes through the the television set uh, that really, really can make some some men backslide. It really could. (laughs) It really could. Uh, folks, I don't want to be involved in worldliness. I don't want to be involved in ungodliness. Amen. Oh my. Listen, we're disciplined by grace. We'll turn from the ungodliness and the worldly lust. But it says it will guide you there in verse 12. It'll, it'll guide you toward a sanctified life. He said we should live soberly. Now don't take me wrong. I'm not contemplating or putting approval on drinking. But live soberly doesn't actually mean here to live as a sober individual away from alcohol as you would take it today. That word soberly here means a sound mind. Live with a sound mind temperately and discreetly. Grace will temper our living in this world. Living soberly. Sure does make good preaching though when you throw it in there about alcohol. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We shouldn't do that either. Amen. I've been a teetotaler ever since I've been saved. Didn't want no part of it. Amen. Yeah. Live soberly. 
live soberly. We should live righteously. That word righteously means to, to live just and agreeably to live right and properly. And live uprightly. Christian life is a life of living uprightly and doing right. It should be the desire in us that's produced through salvation. When salvation comes in and the old man is gone and the new man is resurrected, yeah. it changes the way you think. You have a new mind. You have a new outlook on things. Yeah. We should live godly. Godly means living with the consciousness of His constant present. So it produces in us a Christ-likeness. Yeah. If you're walking close to God tonight and you're saved, everything you'll do, you'll understand and know without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ is looking upon you. Do you think a man is going to go in and rob a bank if he's got a member of an FBI sitting right in the midst of that bank watching him? Nope. Nope. Do you think that uh, a man is going to uh, go and uh, uh, break in on a house and, and try to rob a home and do one of these night break-ins if he knows the husband and the dad of the home is on the other end with a 12-gauge shotgun ready to pull the trigger? You think he's going to break that door down if he knows that? Let me say something tonight. Whether you know it or not, you'll know it when you leave. God knows every move you make. Amen. He's like the man standing on the other side of the door. He's like the FBI agent sitting in the bank waiting for the next move. He knows. He knows. He knows everything that we do. He knows everything that we don't do. Amen. That should help us. Remain godly, living with the consciousness of knowing that He is watching us. His eyes are ever on us. It should produce a Christ-likeness in your life. I got to witness to a fellow one time many, many years ago. He came out on the... He had always come to the church. Down at St. John Fruit Baptist Church, he would come and he would always have a a big old mouth of chew yeah. in his mouth. And I'm not preaching against chew. Don't take me wrong, okay? It's, it, uh, we got to be honest now. It ain't good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this is what got me. He would come and he was just real messy about it. And when he got to the steps of the church, he'd, he'd like to spit yeah. right there in front of the church house. And he'd, I mean, right there on the porch even. And he would spit and he'd come into the church and he'd, he'd bring his bucket with him, you know, his jar. And he, yeah, he would. And, you know, all through service, you know, it, it was gross. It really was. And uh, that, that, I mean, I was just a newly pastor of the church. I wasn't going to ruffle too many feathers at the, you know, you got to get grounded in somewhere before you're ruffling too many feathers. But anyway, or, or I think you do. I don't know. But... Uh, but anyway, we got then, you know, and, and after a few weeks, I said, Brother, I said, can you not go a service without, without bringing that thing into the church yeah. and without spitting all over the, the porch out here? I said, these folks having to clean up after you. Mm-hmm. I mean, the man was a Christian. He was a, uh, you know, supposed to have been a good godly man. I believe he was. Uh, he just had a habit that I wish he would have broken, you know. 
And uh, he said, Preacher, you know I'm a Christian. You know what that means? I said, Yep, it means be Christ-like. He said, Yep, and so am I. I looked at him. I said, I don't believe Christ would walk into this church with a spit can. Amen. And I don't believe you'd see Christ walking out to 7-Eleven with some in his mouth neither. Yeah. Spitting everywhere like you do. I said, now look, what you do is your business. I'm not here to condemn you or anybody else. I said, but boy, in the house of God, that's not a place for that. Amen. And he looked at me and he... He had, his, he had his little can with him. And Ricky, he just spit it all out in the can right there. And he said, Preacher, you're exactly right. I won't never come back to the church with this can in my hand again. Amen. And he got, it was over. It was over. Now, I'd, 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 I'd see him around town. He'd have him a big wads, you know. Yeah. I'd say, Hey, brother, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good, Preacher. But when he come to the house of God, he was cleaned up. Yeah. It wasn't never hanging in his beard no more. <laughs> he it cleaned his face up. Yeah. We didn't have to have people out there scrubbing the porch no more, trying to get it up. But he seen that that was not Christ-like occurring there inside the house of God and on the property there. Yeah. And um, you know. We are Christ. We are to be Christ-like, and a lot of times uh, when we ask the preacher questions, we already know the answer before we ask. We're just wanting approval of it. Yeah. You see, preacher, what do you think about this right here? And I usually say before I even, you know, they even get it out. I say, now hold on now. If you're asking me, the chances are you probably already know the answer. Amen. You're wanting me to put my approval on it. Uh, you're right, preacher. Never mind. <laughs> we should live godly. Amen. Yeah. First Thessalonians 1 and 9 says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. Thank the Lord we serve a living God tonight. Amen. But number three, look at the goodness of of His grace. Verse 13. Look at that again. Looking for that blessed hope. And that glorious appearing of the great God. And our Savior. Jesus Christ. We have an expectation. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an anticipated time. We're told to be looking. For Him. There in the scripture. Looking for means to receive one. To come from some place to accept and not to reject the thing that's offered. The fulfillment of promises. Let me read you a little illustration here that I thought worked out real good for this message tonight. While on a South Pole expedition, British explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton left a few men on Elephant Island promising... That he would return. Later when he tried to go back. Huge icebergs blocked the way. But suddenly. As if by a miracle. An avenue opened in the ice. And Shackleton was able to get through. His men ready and waiting. Quickly scrambled aboard. 
No sooner had the ship cleared the island than the ice crashed together behind them. Contemplating their narrow escape, the explorer said to his men, It was fortunate you were all packed and ready to go. They replied, We never gave up hope. Whenever the sea was clear of ice, we rolled up our sleeping bags and reminded each other, The boss may come today. You see, they were ready. They were waiting. Folks, we've got to be waiting. We've got to be ready. That's the goodness of God's grace. It's an anticipated time. It's a happy time. That blessed hope, that blessed hope means joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation on hope. In hope. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. John 3, 1-3 Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that we shall appear. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Thank God we'll be living pure if you're looking for Christ to come tonight. Amen. There's no greater incentive for Christian living than the second coming of Jesus Christ. Knowing and being conscious that He could return tonight. I want to be as close as I can to Him. I don't want to be out in the world tonight. I want to be waiting and looking for Jesus Christ to return. After a church service one day, there was a lesson taught that Wednesday night about the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A little girl was sitting in the auditorium that night uh, and she began to quiz her mother about the second coming of Christ as they left the church. She said, Mommy, do you believe Jesus will come back? The mother said, Yes, dear. I believe it with all my heart. Then the little girl said, Could it even be today, Mama? Mama said, Yes, dear. It could even be today. Then the little girl said, you mean in the next few minutes Jesus Christ could come? Yes, dear, Jesus could come. Then she looked so seriously to her mom and said, Mommy, could you comb my hair? You know what she was saying? I want to be ready if he comes tonight. I want to look my best if He comes tonight. In other words, I want to be free from ungodliness. I want to be on the God side of things. I want to be ready when Jesus Christ comes. She was thinking, hey, I need to look pretty when He comes. Mama, will you brush my hair? Hallelujah. Even a little kid can give you and I great advice through a great example tonight. How do you relate that to yourself? Well, we should be clean. We should be holy. The Bible says we shall see and we will see the exaltation of Christ. His glorious appearing. It's going to be a personal appearing. Our Jesus, our Savior. This passage leaves no doubt that God 
who will gloriously appear one day as none other than Jesus Christ, Lord and God. Amen. John 20, 28, Thomas, old Doubting Thomas said, My Lord, my God. Yeah. He's the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All three in one. When people wonder who God is. You can take them, show them to the cross of Calvary and say, Jesus Christ is God. Grace will save you and grace will restrain you from this world. And thank God grace will guide you. God's grace will encourage you with the fact that Jesus is coming again. You stand tonight. That concludes the message. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. If you've got a need, you can come. As they come, get us a song of invitation. Just play us something softly, sister, if you would.